Well, as the rain comes down from heaven and waters the ground, so God's word comes to our souls and waters our souls and causes it to grow. So as you hear the rain, think about God's word, then ignore the rain (laughs) and allow God's word to grow your soul. Open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15, our text this morning will be verse 20, verses 20 through 28. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 through 28. This morning I'd like to begin by having you imagine the scene of Acts chapter 1 when Jesus ascended into heaven. Imagine those 11 disciples there on the Mount of Olives, and they saw Jesus Christ in his resurrected body, feet on the ground, and then he went up in the air, and he was gone. For the last 40 days, Jesus had appeared to them. He, he taught them. The scripture says in Acts 1, 3, that he primarily taught them about the kingdom of God. He ate with them. Jesus comforted them. Jesus encouraged them. He forgave Peter. He encouraged Peter and the rest of the disciples to love him by feeding his sheep, by feeding his people with the word of God. They spent time with him as they would have stood on top of that Mount of Olives, that hill. They would have looked down and they would have been able to see the garden where Jesus was betrayed Think about all the memories they had up there. They would have been able to look over to the area where the high priest had his house and his courtyard where Jesus was tried and condemned. They could have looked forward and seen the temple and the top of the temple mount where Jesus taught for many years, for a few years, I should say. And as they were on that hill, that Mount of Olives, they saw Jesus go into the air, and then what's next? And can you imagine the uncertainty of the disciples? They lost Jesus once, right? Then he rose again, and now it's, he's gone again. What's on their minds at this time? Well, right before he ascended, the Bible says that they had on their minds the kingdom. They said, Jesus, are you going to at this time restore the kingdom to us? I mean, they're thinking, is this a time where you're going to, you know, defeat the Romans and this is going to happen? Like, uh, is it right now? When's that going to happen? And Jesus said, well, it's, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons. Like God does have a plan, but you're not going to know the fine point details. Here's what you should know, that you're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. It's going to come upon you. You're going to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and all Samaria to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. And then they're staring in the sky going, okay, what's next? You remember what happened after that? They turn and there's two angels standing there. And the angels are like, hey guys, why are you looking in the sky still? Why are you still looking up to heaven? This same Jesus who is taken up into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. There would have been a lot of uncertainty in the minds of the disciples. Here's 11 guys, and obviously more disciples that Jesus taught beyond that. But there's only a few, and they're supposed to do what? (laughs) 
Go into all the world? What does that mean? How does that work? There was some uncertainty. But there were a few facts, a few truths that Jesus gave them that they could hold on to. Number one, they knew Jesus is in heaven and he's reigning. And they knew that because he rose from the dead. He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. So Jesus is in charge. He's on the throne. They knew their job. They had the Holy Spirit, or they were going to get him, and now they have him, and we are they had him, and now we have the Holy Spirit. And they had a job to go make disciples. And the next thing they knew is that Jesus is coming back again someday. And these truths were to be like anchor points for them to hold on to. There are a lot of uncertainties in our lives, aren't there? When you look at the future, what do you see? (laughs) You have plans five, ten years from now. What do you think your life's going to be like? What's our country going to be like? When we were in Washington, D.C. a couple weeks ago, some of you might not know that, but we went there for a few days to do some touring. I talked to an individual who talks to important people, and he said there's a lot of conversations about in Washington right now in the White House and in the Congress about a possible war with China at some point here. Someone else said, oh, next year it's looking like there's going to be a financial downturn. What's the future look like? Or how about for yourself? What's your job look like in the next couple years? What's going to happen with your kids in the next couple years or your grandkids? And the truth is, there's a lot we don't know. But here's what we do know. Jesus is on the throne right now, right? He's in heaven on the throne. We know that he has given us a job. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And we are to go make disciples. And we know this. He is coming back soon. When he comes back, he will resurrect our bodies to life. He will annihilate all evil and the evil one. The last enemy he will defeat is death. And then he will resurrect a new universe, a new earth, a new heaven, and we will live on that for eternity with our Lord. And God is and will be all in all. And that is really the hope of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 20 through 28. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 28 teaches that because Christ has been raised from the dead, God's plan of resurrection will be fulfilled. He's the king. He was resurrected. He is on the right hand of the father. And he will ensure the father's plan is carried out. And the father's plan is to resurrect us and to resurrect this world to the glory of God the father. And so we looked at last week the results of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How does the resurrection of Christ affect us now? How does it affect us in the future? Well, first we learn from verse number 20 that because Christ has been raised like his resurrection, you can be resurrected too. We're not going to go through all these points again, but just to remember verse number 20, look at verse 20. The scripture says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Christ is the first fruits. It means his body was like a seed that was put in the ground. It died, but then it came to life, right? It was, there was a harvest of his body and it was, he was plucked 
from that harvest. And because he's the first fruits of that harvest, because he has been harvested, he rose from the dead with an eternal resurrected body. Therefore, we have the hope that we will have the same type of resurrection. His body is an eternal, resurrected, incorruptible body that will never die. And because he is the first fruits, we expect that our body will be glorified with the same type of body as his. And so second, because Christ has been raised, at regeneration, your soul is resurrected to life. And we saw that in verse 21 and 22, when we saw that those in Christ are resurrected to life. Look at verse 21, the scripture says, for, so this identifies the reasons that we can be confident in the inevitable resurrection that we will have, for as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And we saw here last week, the reason that we can have confidence that our bodies will be resurrected is because just like Adam caused the death of all people through his sin, Jesus Christ will cause the resurrection of all those who are in Christ through his victory over sin. And third, because Christ has been raised, number three, at his coming, your body will be resurrected to life. Look at verse 23. The Bible says, but each, speaking of the resurrections that are going to take place, each in his own order, Christ, the first fruits. And so here, this is the first coming of Christ when he had his eternal resurrection of his body from the tomb. Then, verse 23, then at his coming, that's the second coming of Christ, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. So we are right now living between that first coming and that second coming. And we look back to his first coming and to that resurrection. And then therefore we look forward to his second coming when he promises that he will resurrect our bodies to life as well. And then notice verse 23, because the next major event, or I should say this, the last major event is the end. Verse 24, then comes the end. And our last point is found in verses 24 through verse 29. And that is that because Christ has been raised at the end, you will enjoy the resurrection of all things in full submission to God. Notice verse 24 through 29. I'm going to read it. You can listen as I read. Verse 20 says, I'm sorry, I'm going to read verse 20, uh, 25 through 24 through the end. Verse 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule, every authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him 
who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Let's pray.